This morning I am going to continue uh, on my messages that I started last week talking about prayer. Um, last week I talked to you about unhindered prayer, what it means to get to a place in your life where you can pray without having your prayers hindered because there's great power in that. And uh, today I want to talk to you uh, about another side of that which means which is about being persistent in prayer because persistent prayer has great power in it. But I just want to... Uh, clarify a little bit and define for people what prayer is really all about. You know, a lot of times when you say prayer, <clears throat> asking God for, uh, to, to move, a lot of people immediately interpret that in the context of getting stuff. You know, ooh, I can get stuff. If, if you talk to people about getting prayers answered in their life, just pray and trust God, you know, a lot of people right in their mind goes, you know, ooh, lottery, you know, or, or this, or I get this stuff, or I get that other stuff. And, and we, we often lose the point. Now, one of the big points of prayer, quite frankly, is to direct the hand of God in people's lives around us. We are very much, in a spiritual sense, in a battle. We are part of God's army, if you will, not literal army, but uh, a spiritual army, where we are wrestling against and fighting against forces of darkness uh, uh, in, in the earth, forces that hate God, don't want anything to do with God. And when we are out there dealing in people's lives, you know how often sometimes you'll think, wow, wouldn't it be great if God would do this for this guy or, or do this thing in this person's life or do that? That's really what prayer is about. It's about directing God's hand. It's like we're on the front line battles and we're calling in the airstrikes, okay? God do this, God do that. You say, well, why, why would God do that? Why doesn't God just do whatever he wants to do? See, a lot of people think that, you know, God is just sovereign all the time and he just does whatever he wants whatever it doesn't matter what you say and prayer is just some kind of rote obedience thing no 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 that's not it at all God really desires to work in tandem with you with people that's always been his desire from the beginning now he could have chosen <clears throat> from the very beginning instead of having people involved at all just angels come down and just preach to everybody and you know he could have done all kinds of things like he did back with the children of Israel and pillars of fire and smoke and all this stuff would happen and sometimes people think well gee that would have been more effective well in point of fact it's not more effective uh, when you study the Old Testament those of us who are, uh, do our Wednesday night Bible studies we're in the book of Exodus see painfully clear that these people saw stuff you and I would pay big money to see man miracles left and right but it meant nothing to these people I mean it's it's seeing stuff on the outside uh, and miraculous stuff in and of itself won't transform and change people it's when God starts dealing on the inside so instead of doing those kinds of things God has chosen people God uh, the Bible says God has chosen the foolishness of preaching even to proclaim his message. God desires to use people. And if we'll really allow God to use us in the way that he wants to use us, we would be on the front lines in our lives as you deal with people, particularly those who don't know God in your life, and praying in airstrikes and directing God's hand. God, do this. God, do Because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who will work in partnership with him. Could he do whatever he wants? Yeah. And from time to time he does. Okay. But generally speaking, that's what we're supposed to be praying for. That's what we're supposed to be sensitive about. I have a, a, a movie clip I want to show for you, you this morning very briefly. Uh, I'm a typical guy, you know, I like war movies and stuff like that. And one of my favorite movies done in recent years is a movie called Wind Talkers. It's uh, based on uh, the fact that in, during World War II, um, when they were fighting in the Pacific, the army enlisted uh, some uh, Indians to be the code talkers. In other words, they would 
relay coordinates and what they were all up to, but they do it in their Indian language and then encode in the Indian language. It was all to totally confuse the Japanese because otherwise they could hear. They would always be listening in to hear what uh, the, the Americans were up to, and it was problematic. So they got these guys in, and uh, it's really a fascinating story. But uh, I want to play just a little bit of a clip this morning showing how these guys were used to direct in specific hits and totally confuse the enemy. Get the Navy on the horn and tell them to take out those guns! Target reference. Log one. Right 700. Elevation 050. Ah! supposed to be like in prayer when we are out there dealing in people's lives and we are coming up against things and praying very specifically God do this in this person's life God do that and, and those of you who speak in tongues they thought that's got to be cool that's got to freak them out like what are they saying over there you know but uh, uh, but praying for people and and directing God's hand in your life in other words just don't be passive sitting about just oh God's going to do whatever God's going to do you know I got stuff to do no, 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 no. God wants to use you. And as you see and become aware of need in people's lives to pray and direct God's hand. You say, we really have that kind of effect? Yes! 
That's the whole point of why we should pray. Because when we pray, it's effective and it's powerful. And again, if prayer is just about God, give me this, God, give me that, God, give me this. You know, that's not so effective. But when you start really letting God use you to speak into people's lives and see God change circumstances in people's lives. Wow, that is very, very cool. Now, the scriptures are very clear in how it tells us, encourages us to pray. Jesus was always encouraging us to pray. In uh, Matthew, the 21st chapter, we read these words. Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Later in Mark, uh, the 11th chapter, he says this, I tell you the truth. Why does he say that? Because a lot of people go, I don't believe it. He says, I'm telling you the truth. This is real. This is very, very real. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John wrote about this in his epistle. He said, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask. Because we obey his commands and do what pleases him, which is part of the key point. Now, we talked about this last week. A lot of times why people don't receive answers to prayer is because they don't do that part. They don't obey God's plans. They don't obey God's commands. And they don't do what God uh, asks of them. They do things that absolutely offends God. I mean, they'll, they'll be deceptive, they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll use God's name like a piece of toilet paper, they're involved in all kinds of sexual sins, and then they wonder, how come God isn't blessing my life? I don't understand. You know, as if that's not going to have any effect. That has a big effect. And oh my goodness, if I could dance this in your head, I'd break out in a jig right now. If people could just get in their head, you can't be doing things that are offensive and contrary to God and think God will bless your life. It's not going to happen. Now, if you don't care... If God answers your prayer, then knock yourself out. Do whatever you want. If you don't care, if you don't think you need God, if you don't need God answering your prayers, if you can just do everything on your own, you don't need God's favor to bless you financially, physically, turn situations around in your life, in your favor, then do whatever you want. But don't deceive yourself. Don't delude yourself into thinking you can act in ways that are blatantly against God and think God's going to bless you. It's not going to happen. He says, if we will live in a way that we are obeying God, he says, now we can ask for whatever we want, and God will give it to us. Again, right away people think, oh, give me, give me, give me. No, no, no. This is about being on the front lines and asking God to do this, that, and the other, change circumstances, not only in your lives, but in the lives of other people around you. Why? So they get a sense of God caring for them. When people get a sense that, man, when you pray, stuff happens, you got their attention. And be bold. Pray for people. Say, well, they're not believers yet. Pray for them anyway. I love praying for people and asking God and see God answer their prayers even when they don't believe it. It freaks them out. <laughs> it's very, very cool. This has a great impact on people. Um, but one thing is clear in scriptures. The answered prayer is the norm for the Christian experience. If you are not getting answers to your prayer, something is wrong. Unanswered prayer is a sign that something is not quite right. And we talked about that again last week. Unbelief, conflict in our homes, blatant sin. Uh, one that we didn't mention last week that uh, I saw when I was putting this, these scriptures together is also unforgiveness is something that can keep God's hand away from you. Just where we read where Jesus said, you know, you can pray to move a mountain, man, it'll move. The very next words that he says, let's read those. He says, and, he's tying it all together. 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anybody, forgive him. I don't want to forgive him. Why would I do that? He's a big, fat, stinking jerk. Made me mad. Hurt me. I'll never forgive him. I want to go with hell. I mean, people think this way. Christians, unbelievably, just mean, nasty, unforgiving. Why would I do that? Because Jesus said, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Again, sin will keep prayer from being answered in your life. So you want to get rid of that stuff, and you want God to forgive you of your sins, and he says, just to get there, you've got to forgive other people. It all ties together. If we will approach this stuff right, I'm telling you, the normal everyday experience for a person of faith walking with Christ is that prayers are answered in their lives and it's exciting and it's fun and it's great and it's it's fabulous to see God do miracles and answer prayers James also wrote about unanswered prayer I mentioned this just a second ago about the gimme 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 he says when you ask you do not receive now the reason he's writing to them is because they were confused because they had been walking in a normal Christian experience Prayers are answered. Man, you ask God to do stuff, God does this. God, when you read the book of Acts, it's really amazing how, as these guys went around, God was with them. The hand of God, wherever they went, one thing that was evident in, in, in the early Christian church is wherever these people went, the hand of God went with them. And they would just like direct the fingers of God. Do this, God, touch this person, da-da-da. And it's what changed the world. This is how Christianity turned the world upside down in just a matter of years, 2,000 years ago. It's so funny when you, when you uh, uh, listen to secular commentators, you know, historians, talk about the uh, beginning of early Christianity. And they say, you know, early Christianity uh, seemed to spread unusually quickly throughout the world. And it's because of their new uh, theories about God. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was that when they went out, God showed up. And this blew people's minds. I mean, they would experience God. It wasn't just learning about some new theory, a new approach to God. These people would preach the good news and God would be there, boom, and turn circumstances around in people's lives. And people were amazed by this stuff. And that's why Christianity spread like crazy. So these people were all of a sudden in a place where they weren't all of a sudden getting answers to prayers. They said, well, what's, what's the deal? So James has his right to them. He says, when you ask, you're not getting it. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Again, they had sunk into a place where so many people do, where prayer just becomes about God, give me this, give me that. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me that thing, give me that, give me, give me that, give me that thing. Remember that song? That's, that's your, if that's your prayer life, you're not getting jack squat. God is not Santa Claus. Okay, now, not, not to say that God won't bless you with things and answer your prayers, but all for the greater picture of helping you to succeed and advance the kingdom of God. One thing should be clear. Lack of answered prayers should cause us to examine our hearts to see if we are doing things that are keeping our prayers from being answered. This is really, really important to get across to all of us here. So that we get this. In fact, the Bible says that when Christians take communion, and we do that every Sunday, we'll be taking that in just a few minutes, that one of the things people of faith should be doing, I mean, we always encourage people who don't know Christ yet to take that first step with us, but for the rest of us who, who are already there, the one thing we should always do is examine our hearts to see if we're in a good place. You know, God, is there anything in my life that is keeping your hand from blessing me? 
Because Paul actually warns that if you take communion unworthily, you're blatantly doing things that you know God has spoken to you about. The Bible's very clear and you made all these excuses. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And you take communion in that state, you are not only not bringing God's blessings on you, Paul said you will bring God's curses on you. And trust me, if you're in a place that you know you're wrestling and you're not doing the right things and that communion plate goes by, I would highly advise you just let it go by. Pass it on to the next guy. Man, if you're not going to get this right, this is serious stuff. It actually turns from a place of blessing to a place of cursing in your life. Well, God will curse your life in judgment if you do this unworthily. We need to stay right before God. We need to take this seriously. Now, nobody's perfect. I get that. But I'm not talking about that. And the Bible's not talking about that. We're talking blatant stuff that offends God and we justify it and don't take it seriously. But having said all of that, there's also another part of this that we need to consider. And that is this. It's not always our actions that can cause prayers to be hindered. Sometimes you can be in a in in the right place and doing the right things and still in some areas of your life it's like you can't break through what is the deal I've searched my heart I know I'm in the right place Uh, I'm, I'm standing before God I'm doing the right things why am I not getting an answer to a specific prayer well sometimes Satan himself will hinder your prayers you say why would he do that so you don't get what you want (laughs) remember we're in a battle Okay, there's this struggle going on like we just saw in the film. Those guys weren't just sitting there, they were fighting back. And Satan will fight back in your life. Now, one of the best pictures of this we read in Daniel in the Old Testament. Now, Daniel, this is the guy, you know, who was thrown into the lion's den and, you know, and the lions didn't eat him, all that kind of stuff. Well, there, there came a situation in Daniel's life where he was praying for a particular answer. And the answer wasn't coming. And... Uh, Daniel got really serious about it. And he not only started praying, but he also started fasting. Often the Bible talks about fasting where you actually you quit eating and all your focus is, God, I want your attention. So much so, I'm not going to even eat food. I'm going to, you know, you think, well, I couldn't do that. I'd die. No, no, you can go a month without eating, believe it or not, and not die. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it, but I know a lot of people who have. You know, some of you guys here have gone on you know 30 day fast and stuff like that amazing stuff and and they'll share their testimonies of how all the prayers will start getting answered in their life it doesn't always take that extreme sometimes it's a day or a couple of days and stuff whatever of just stopping that to focus in and fight back in prayer will break through and give you the answers that you need now in Daniel's case he went for 21 days not eating just praying trying to get this answer and we read about when he finally gets the answer uh, this angel shows up and we read about it in Daniel, the 10th chapter, verse 12. And he starts explaining to Daniel. And then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding. That was the first day you started praying about this. And you humbled yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Well, hello, where have you been? What do you mean? First day? You have to remember, God hears your prayers, and immediately things start getting put into motion to bring about that answer. All right, that's the norm. But here's 21 days, like, what's the deal? I mean, he really needed this answer. And he says, well, I, listen, I, I started out on day one. But, he explains to them, the prince of the Persian kingdom, which is an analogy of Satan, uh, spiritual forces, okay, resisted me for 21 days. You mean Satan can do that? Absolutely. Again, the Bible tells us we are involved in a spiritual struggle. You think that you're just in a neutral zone? You're not in a neutral zone. We are in warfare. 
And if you're not moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God in your life, chances are you are losing ground in your life. We have to keep advancing forward. So he says, here we prayed and I came and then for 21 days there was this resistance. Well, a lot of people, after 21 days, forget it, you know, 5 days, 10 days, you know, you know they just gave up. And you don't have your answer yet. Well, you give up and everything's over. But it says that, he, you know, he kept praying the whole time and fasting. This got very intense for him. And then he says, and then Michael, Michael the archangel, okay? One of our, our the chief priests came to help me. So God sends in reinforcement, kicks the devil's butt because I was detained there with the king of Persia. In other words, he finally came through. You kept praying, kept seeking God. More help came. I was able to break through and now I'm here. And then he gave him the answer and the understanding that he was praying about. Uh, Jesus taught us about being persistent in prayer. Even this one very familiar verse that a lot of people know, you know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Pretty familiar verse of scripture. But the tense here in the Greek is to ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. For everyone who does that, they're the ones who get the answers. Then it makes sense. Because you say, well, that's not true. Not everybody who asks receives. No, they don't. Most people go, hey, help. I give up. All right? They don't get stuff. It's those people who are persistent in prayer, who don't give up. They are the ones who get the answers. In Luke, the 18th chapter, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and what? Not give up. Why would he do that? Because it is our nature to want to give up. If it's not easy, if it's not quick, we get discouraged, we lose heart, we fill with unbelief, maybe God doesn't really care, blah, 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 and then you don't get what you need. So he gives them this parable. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. In other words, this guy was one uncaring, unfeeling slob. Well, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now remember, this guy doesn't care. Doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, didn't care about this little old lady. Well, for some time, Jesus said, this guy refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or care about men yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming and the Lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off now obviously God is caring but the analogy here is even if he wasn't God would give you what you wanted if you just stick at it. Just that was the point of the parable. Well, how much more when you know that God really loves you and really cares about you? Um, Persistent prayer, just hunkering down and staying at it and not giving up. I remember when uh, we first moved to Green Bay, um, you know, what, eight, nine years ago. And uh, we were on staff here and uh, we still had our house in Marshfield. We weren't able to sell the thing, kind of like we still have our place in Stevens Point. By the way, if you want a condo in Stevens Point, give me a call. 
But, uh, you know, so here we are, and, and, but we were so far, nobody's watching it. Squirrels were getting in the place, chewing on stuff, just wrecking it. I mean, it was just such a drag, and it was so frustrating. And we kept praying and kept praying. And I remember as I was driving to church one morning, it was like the Lord spoke to my heart and reminded me of this story. He says, remember the unjust judge. Really get intense about this. Which is an important factor, by the way. Let the Holy Spirit guide and lead you. If you'll stay in prayer, sometimes the Lord will direct your heart and how to specifically pray about things. And I'm going to give you what we just did, but it's not a formula that everybody just follows. You've got to kind of let God guide and direct you. But he really spoke to my heart about that. So I thought, man, I'm going to get really persistent in this prayer. Every single prayer I prayed, no matter what it was, I ended with, and God, sell Mark and Debbie's house. And I prayed for food. Thank you for this food, Lord. And bless Mark and Debbie's house and sell it. And I'd see people up in church prayer. Whenever I'd see, I would look for people who were praying anywhere, and I would join in the prayer, and I'd stick a post-it note on it to God. And I would look, and if I heard that anybody on staff was going to pray for anybody, if it just passed my head, we're going over to pray, I'd say, hey, can I come too? They say, yeah, and I come, and they come to pray for some sick person, and then I whisper, and God sell Mark and Debbie's house. I mean, I wanted so that God would get so sick of this, there wouldn't go any prayer around here that he wasn't hearing, and sell Mark and Debbie's house. And people down here were praying, and I'd jump on everyone I could, and sell their house, and sell the house too. God bless this person, yes, amen, amen, and sell Mark and Debbie's house. And I was praying and praying and praying, and I, I, actually, I was having a riot doing it. It was fun. It was great. I was chasing after God. I know you're in here somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to give up. On the seventh day after doing this, and I mean everywhere I was going, I was having so much fun with it. On the seventh day, the realtor calls and says, guess what? Somebody just bought your house. And, and you know what? I felt disappointed. As God is my witness, I kid you not, I went, oh man. You know, I was, I was having so much fun chasing after God, but being persistent. And it broke through. And I got the answer because of following the example in this thing let the holy spirit direct your life as you pray and and let me uh, end with this verse uh, let's not become weary in doing good why because that's exactly what we do it's very very easy to get tired of doing the right thing man i wish i could tell you doing the right thing was easy it's not what's easy is being mean being impatient getting angry criticizing all that stuff, man, that's, that's easy. Doing good stuff gets kind of hard, and sometimes it's easy to give up and lose heart. And he says, don't become weary in doing good, because he makes this promise. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. You'll get what you need if we do not give up. I'm going to ask all the ushers and stuff at the different campuses to get ready to serve communion this morning. The musicians can kind of get ready. Uh, to come back and play. Uh, there's this great story about uh, Winston Churchill. You know, uh, many historians consider Winston Churchill one of the greatest orators of the 20th century. Um, he was the guy that ra- rallied the British nation and, and freemen everywhere to stand up against uh, the Nazi barbarism that was going on. And uh, he, was, he was quite the speaker. But one of his most famous speeches, probably his most famous speech, he gave after World War II was over. He was invited to come and speak uh, at a commencement ceremony at some university or whatever. And, of course, you know, Winston Churchill is there and everybody's, you know, hoity-toity, woo, here he comes, and they're all excited and all the fanfare and all the people and the speakers before him and stuff. And then finally the introductory guy gets up and gives um, 
him this long-winded uh, introduction. Here's this great, respected leader in the world, helped to bring victory against Nazi Germany. And Churchill walked up to the podium, and this was his entire speech. He looked at everyone and said, Never, 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 never give up. And he sat down. <laughs> Which is a lesson. Some of the best sermons are the short ones, Mark. Anyway, what a great, what a great message that was. He sat down and the place was stunned. And then pretty soon everybody jumped to their feet, applauding and cheering wildly. And to this day, it's probably his most famous message. But what a great message. Never, 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 never give up. And if we can take that kind of attitude into our prayer lives, wow, what a difference, huh? So, in conclusion, be careful. Number one, don't let things, don't you cause things to hinder your prayer by just being foolish in the way that you live. And secondly, don't let discouragement cause you to give up on your prayers. Be persistent. Hang in there. God knows you're there. And he wants to bring you your answers. You know what's great is the scriptures encourage us not to give up. But what's really encouraging is the scriptures let us know one thing for sure. God never gives up on us. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. We have a God who loves us and never gives up on us even when we're stumbling and falling. And even when you get into a place of life where, you know, you're praying down curses on yourself because you're doing bad. God doesn't do this to be mean. The Bible says he does this to spank you. He loves you so much. He'll smack you upside the head, man, to get your attention. Why? Because God never, ever, 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 ever gives up on you. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where are you at with Christ in your life? You know, the Bible says God so loved the world, he sent his son. Jesus Christ died on that cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins, that we could be free of all this stuff, that we could walk in real fellowship and victory with God so that God could truly bless our lives. Have you received God's forgiveness in your life by putting your faith in Jesus this morning? That's what we celebrate when we take communion. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. I'd like everyone to bow their heads as we pray just before our communion this morning. Have you experienced this wonderful love that God has for you? If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith this morning. And we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to invite everybody to pray this. But if you're here this morning and you don't really know God in your life, if you'll pray this prayer and really mean it, you can begin to experience God's forgiving grace in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.